Peter Hammond in the studio for From the Frontline. And tonight, mountain marathons. Mountain climbing can teach us many discipleship principles, which is why it's a major part of our Great Commission course. And we just completed an intensive three-week Great Commission course, which included pastors and teachers from America, Zambia, and Zimbabwe, and Participants from all over South Africa, including one young man who cycled over 860 kilometers, about 500 miles, from the Orange Free State to come to this missionary training program. Well, any Great Commission course involves daily PT and regular hikes and mountain climbing. And the high point of the Great Commission course in many ways is our climb up Tabe Mountain, which is a long ascent up a very famous mountain and... uh, At 3,000 feet, 1,087 meters, McClear's Beacon, despite very cold, frigid conditions, we sang, uh, we sang the hymns, we prayed for the city. Uh, It was a wonderful opportunity. And I might say, while we were on top of Tabe Mountain, it was quite a funny experience too. We we were at McClear's Beacon, the highest point uh, in the Cape Peninsula, and we were uh, getting ready for our singing and worship and time of prayer. And along came two big scout groups. And uh, as the scout teams arrived, and I saw their banners, they were from other parts of, of the Cape. And uh, I offered to take a picture for them because that would have been awkward for them. One of them would have had to miss out on the photo opportunity. And after taking the picture, I asked them, so where have you hiked from today? And they looked awfully sheepish. They said, actually, we came up the cable car. And I just stood there in amazement because, yeah, my sons have gone through the scouts and I don't know what... General Baden-Powell would have said, the founder of the Scouts, um, I don't think he would have ever imagined a Scouts group. And these are two young, uh, two groups of, of teenagers. You know, These are strong, healthy young people taking the cable car up. And they said, but we're going to hike down tomorrow. We're camping at the uh, Scouts hut uh, overnight, and we're going to hike down. Well, hmm, hiking down is a whole lot easier than hiking up in many ways. But uh, it seems that many Christians avoid going the Pilgrim's Progress discipleship route and choose to take the cable car. And uh, I think one misses out so much on that. It's so important that we learn from mountains. Well, mountain climbing is key. And our Christian walk is not just a short distance sprint. It's a long distance marathon. It's actually a mountain marathon. There are steep ascents. There are inevitable descents. But we must stick to the path. We must follow the guide. We must take regular compass readings or conscience readings. We must consult the map, God's word and constantly re-evaluate our position and our progress, persevering to the end. We need to have the attitude of Caleb, as we read in Joshua 14 verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain. And we need that kind of attitude. Uh, Mountain climbing is an excellent analogy of the Christian faith, which is why in Pilgrim's Progress we have (laughs) the hill difficulty, and we have the Slav Despond, we have uh, Bypath Meadow, there's... uh, Vanity Fair, where people get um, sidetracked into and distracted and derailed even. And uh, we have, um, in many cases, uh, going into the Valley of the Shadow, fighting Apollyon. Well, the high points of our Great Commission courses are the mountain hikes, which we undertake at all times of day and night, in all weather conditions. Um, uh, We will never cancel a hike or an outreach because of adverse weather conditions. Now, of course, it's easier to climb in good weather, in pleasant temperature and with perfect visibility. However, when duty calls, we need to be willing to climb in fog and mist, 
in rain and storm. And we have often had to hike in times of high winds and pouring rain. And even then, it's even more imperative that we stick to the guide, always within sound of his guiding voice and within reach of his helping hand. We need to trust in the guide, even in the dark and the mist, especially in the mist. Now, of course, there's always those stragglers who lag far behind, who go astray and who get lost. And it's also true that there's some who race ahead of the guide and get into trouble, wasting time by going down the wrong path. And sometimes these necessitate search parties to bring them back. And that happened on our last hike up Tape Mountain too. So mountain climbs can be very dangerous. We need to be well prepared with tough boots and jerseys for cold weather and rain jackets for wet weather and alert for danger and conscious of weather changes. And when you get to Top of Table Mountain, even in the middle of summer, you can have Arctic conditions on top. It's, it's amazing how a thousand meters up can, above sea level can change the climate dramatically. And if we've got the wind blowing from the south, then we get Antarctica-type winds and, and cold. And we've had it before, hiking up in sweltering heat and then freezing on top. Um, it happens, especially when you're on... Cape Town at the southernmost tip of the African continent with the warm Indian Ocean on one side and the cold Atlantic Ocean on the other, with a desert, the Karoo to the north and, and uh, Antarctica to the south. Depending which way the wind blows, <laughs> the weather can change dramatically and we can have storms. So mountain climbing can be dangerous and we need to be alert and we need to be prepared. We need to understand the times. We need to know what we need to do in every situation. Any mountaineer needs to carry enough food, water, first aid supplies for any eventuality. Mountain climbers often need flashlights, although we take it as, as uh, one of our training programs to hike in the dark. We hiked up uh, Lion's Head in the dark, uh, saw the sunset, sunrise and hiked down the light. And Table Mountain, we hiked up in daytime, saw the sunset, sang, prayed, and then came down in the dark. We do a lot of hikes at night because it's so important that we, we know how to activate our own night sights within our eyes and it's an amazing thing if you wait about 15-20 minutes in the dark your eyes will adjust dramatically most people don't know about this because they've never been in the dark that long uh, without activating a light or a torch uh, but we do have some natural night sights in uh, that God has designed in our bodies intelligent design and uh, many people are surprised how well they can see in the dark after climatizing to it but of course we need flashlights and God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The mountains of God recorded in the Bible point us to many high points in God's providential history. And the mountains in the Bible provide us with vital insights to a dynamic discipleship walk with God. The mountains of Ararat that we read about in Genesis 8 remind us that God is a just and a holy God. He hates evil. He judges wickedness. However, in the ark, we also see that God graciously provided salvation for his people. The ark that God commanded Noah to build is symbolic of the salvation that we can enjoy in Christ. However, we need to note that there was only one ark and there was only one door to the ark. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We should also notice that just as God did not save Noah from the flood, but God protected him in the flood. God does not always save us from our troubles, but he saves us through them. After tumultuous year, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, 
And immediately God provided work for Noah and his family. He gave them principles for government and he gave them a promise. Every time we see a rainbow, and we've seen quite a few rainbows just in the last few weeks doing a mountain climbing, doing the Great Commission course, we're reminded of God's covenant with Noah and with his descendants. Mount Moriah in Genesis 22 reminds us of the sacrifice that Abraham was called to make. Abraham was commanded to make a sacrifice, to offer his own son to the Lord. Now, Abraham and Sarah had miraculously conceived Isaac way past childbearing age. And God had promised that all the families of the nations would be blessed through his descendants, who would be as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Now, Abraham was being commanded to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Yet God had chosen Abraham for a great purpose, to be the father of many nations. So how was Abraham to understand this? But Abraham loved God so much, and he trusted God so much that he was willing to do this. He trusted God so implicitly that Abraham immediately obeyed the word of God. So Mount Moriah reminds us that we may not always understand God's will, but we can trust it, and we must obey it. As Abraham so prophetically said on Mount Moriah, God himself will provide a lamb. And God did provide for Isaac then. And he has provided for us in and through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, as John the Baptist declared, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's in John 1.29. God expects full surrender and unquestioning obedience. So Mount Ararat, Mount Moriah, and Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, which we read about in Exodus 3, reminds us of the life-changing encounter which Moses had with Jehovah God at the burning bush. Through the ingenuity and the courage of his mother, Moses had survived Pharaoh's death sentence against all odds. And Pharaoh had decreed that all male Hebrew infants were to be killed at birth. But adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh, raised in privilege, the throne of Egypt was not beyond Moses' reach. Yet Moses rejected the riches and the pleasures of Egypt and chose rather to suffer with the people of God. In exile, Moses saw the burning bush. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying. I am concerned. I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and a spacious land. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I will be with you. I am he, he who is, I am who I am. So Exodus 5, we read that God hears the prayers of his people. He sees their distress. He calls them. He equips and he empowers Moses to command Pharaoh to let his people go. That was a major verse used over and over in the run-up to the independence of South Sudan. Let my people go. That was the theme of the secession movement in South Sudan. Let my people go. Well, it was first said here in the book of Exodus by Moses before Pharaoh. Let my people go. And we see that in Mount Horeb, whom God calls, he sends. We are called to serve. We are saved to serve. 
we're called to service. And this is so important that we remember Mount Horeb. But there's also Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19, we see that God is holy and God's people are called to be consecrated and set apart to proclaim God's word to the nations, to all nations. At Mount Sinai, God writes with his own finger his law on tablets of stone. As the psalmist David celebrate, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, as the Apostle Paul wrote. The law is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we can be justified by faith. What does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees for your own good. That's in Deuteronomy 10. Well, in addition to Mount Sinai, there are also the mountains of Ebel and Gerizim. The Lord commanded the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 11, proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebel the curses of the law. The curses for disobeying the law of God were proclaimed on Mount Ebel, as we see in Deuteronomy 27. The blessings of obedience and the curse of disobedience are fully listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The mountains of Ebel and Gerizim remind us of the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience to the word of God. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, as we read in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Well, in addition to Mount Sinai and the mountains of Gebel, uh, Ebel and Gerizim, there's Mount Carmel. In 1 Kings 18, we read of the prophet Elijah's courageous confrontation of the evil false prophets of Baal. Elijah challenged them to a contest before the whole of Israel. They would each build an altar. They would each pray to their God. And the God who answered with fire would be recognized as the one true God. The 480 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, they called upon Baal from morning till noon, shouting, dancing, cutting themselves with knives until their blood flowed. Yet, despite their frantic prophesying, there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord and arranged the wood and placed meat in it. And he had large jars of water poured over the offering and the wood repeatedly. Then at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known that you are God in Israel, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. All this we read in 1 Kings 18. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and evaporated all the water out of the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. We need to repair the altar. We need to restore true worship and devotion in spirit and in truth. The stones remind us of the Bible doctrines that we must know. The wood on the altar reminds us that we need more than faith in our head. We need, we need more than knowledge in our head. We need faith in our heart. And the meat that Elijah laid on the wood reminds us that we need to live the truth. We need flesh on the bones of our doctrine. We need to put feet to our faith. Head, heart, hands. Mind, body, and spirit. The water poured over the sacrifice on the altar reminds us of the ministry of prayer. We need to pray in faith. 
However, while there were two altars, only one had the fire. When did the fire fall? When the altar was repaired, when the sacrifice was offered, when the water was poured, when the prayer of faith was made. Where is the fire in your life? It's also Mount Hermon. In Mark 9, we read about Mount Hermon, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Christ was transfigured. The Lord Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, and he stood there before him, Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. All that we read in Mark 9. Mount Mount Hermon reminds us of who Jesus really is. If we love him, we must obey his commandments. Obedience is an essential part of our true worship. Of greatest importance is the atonement which Christ achieved for us on Mount Calvary. In the cross, we see that God is holy. He hates sin. But we also see in his provision of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world that God loves us and he is merciful and he provides for our redemption. God himself will provide the Lamb. And so there is Mount Calvary where we remember that God has provided the Lamb. And lastly, there's Mount of Olives. And that was where our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. And before ascending, he gave us the great commission, which is to be our supreme ambition. Henceforth, his last command must be our first concern, to make disciples of all nations, to teach obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded. Here on Mount Olivet, we see the fulfillment and the completion of our Lord Jesus Christ's first mission on earth. However, we were assured that he will return again in judgment as the King of Kings, as the Lord of Lords, to judge the living and the dead. So as we look at Mount Olivet, remember that as he ascended, he assured us that he would return in like manner. Through these peaks of revelation, we gain progressive insight into the word of God and clearer guidance for his work, going from mountains of Ararat to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, Ebel and Gerizim, Mount Carmel. We're seeing in each one of these an important, vital part of our faith. There are times when we need to stand up and be courageous and bold and speak out and step out, fighting a good fight of faith, like on Mount Carmel. Uh, We can't live on mountaintops, but we need to climb mountain peaks to gain proper perspective and inspiration for the battles in the valley. We see that what we sow, we reap. Uh, There are consequences for sin, but God rewards faithfulness and obedience. And we see, yes, God hates sin, but he loves us and he has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he has risen. He's ascended, victorious over all authority, all power, all dominion, heaven and earth. And he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. So how are you doing on your mountain marathon in your adventure of discipleship? Are you sticking to God's path? Are you following his Holy Spirit? Are you listening? Are you never giving up? Persevere and endure across all the mountaintops over which God will lead you. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. Your God reigns. That's in Isaiah 52 and verse 17. Well, by God's grace, we have just finished a mountain marathon. Uh, We had a very 
effective and blessed Great Commission course. We've been running this Great Commission course for 24 years. And this year's GCC Great Commission course 2022 included uh, daily PT and regular hikes. And uh, we studied examples of excellence from missions history, especially from the greatest century of missions. We studied the Book of Acts to see missionary models and examples for evangelism. We completed the whole Way of the Master eight-part basic training course in evangelism, which had put together by Ray Comfort and, and by Kirk Cameron. Uh, we went through the Evangelism Explosion training of Dr. James Kendi, uh, the full Call for Discernment seminar by Dr. Justin Peters, and Muslim evangelism, and understanding animism and Hinduism. And there were day trips, day trips to historic sites such as the Huguenot Museum and Huguenot Monuments in Franschhoeken, the Salem Biblical Garden and Archaeological Museum near Wellington, Eagle Encounter and Cheetah Outreach, and visits to missions. There was a work party at a rural mission station and outreaches as far field as Franschuk and Klippieville, Mannenberg and Burkhoff. We engaged in one-on-one -on -one personal evangelism on the streets, mass literature distribution, distributing thousands of gospel tracts and world missionary press gospel booklets. There was door-to-door -door ministry, Sunday church services, assignments, exams, lots of exams actually, and numerous practicals. Despite cold and wet weather, our participants persevered. We kept steadfast and focused as we seek to be faithful to the Lord and to his word and to his work. And many of our participants had the joy of praying with people on the streets and counseling them to salvation in Christ. It was a tremendous course and it was busy. And after last night when we climbed Tape Mountain, I spent the rest of Tuesday night in the early hours of the morning marking the many exams and assignments so that at the conclusion on our Wednesday afternoon, everyone could receive their certificates and marked exams and, uh, and their assignments before departing. Because Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We got some interesting responses from our GCC participants. Here's some of the written responses. Excellent course. Superb and well-organized course with great lectures, great physical activities, spiritual devotions and outreaches, and great Christian fellowship. Another wrote, I've grown in my knowledge of God's word and church history, leadership skills and fitness, and I know I'm called to African missions. Another wrote, everything was fantastic. The lectures, the outreaches, the outdoor activities, especially the hike up Tape Mountain. I've come to understand the Bible better. I have more confidence. and I've made many amazing friends. Another wrote, all the lectures were outstanding and amazing. Another wrote, the program was great. The GCC is incredible. The people, the staff were very friendly. I learned how to evangelize people in the streets and they listened to me. Another wrote, the program was perfect. The GCC is a great course, well put together, body, mind and spirit. I have been inspired by the examples and equipped for ministry work. It was a well-planned course, well worth following and implementing in one's life. Another participant wrote, this course is well-planned and most uplifting, very informative content, well-structured. I learned a lot, not just from the lectures, but from the experiences as well. Another response here, I enjoyed every aspect of the GCC. The GCC is well-balanced and I've benefited greatly. My expectations were absolutely met and exceeded. Well, for those who are interested, our intensive boots-on-the-ground, body, mind and spirit practical training course for prospective missionaries involved 55 lectures and presentations, 11 different speakers, four workshops, 10 practicals, 15 vigorous PT sessions, eight hikes, 12 outreaches, including to the waterfront and to a Muslim community. 
Our participants took part in seven church services in neighboring communities and radio interviews with many of the participants were recorded for Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg and for From the Frontline. If you haven't heard yet, you can go back and, and find that one too on our, on our website. The program included 17 films, eight exams, and a series of 10 assignments, including completing the 50-page Discipleship Training Manual. And if you'd like to get hold of our Discipleship Training Manual, it is available as well on the FrontlineMissionSA.org website, and you can even purchase it from ChristianAction.org.za. So that's a Discipleship Training Manual, which is a 50-page real practical, which was the guidelines for the folks' devotions during these three weeks. The program also included 14 Bible drill sessions, six just-a-minute debating skill games, and hikes and mountain climbs included participants carrying backpacks of Arabic scriptures. Um, you don't go in the field empty-handed. We've always got to carry literature, so weight training was part of it. The PT sessions were all complete in the dark, hours before dawn, and we had the joy of, after hiking up Lion's Head for sunrise, we read the whole of the Sermon on the Mount and sang hymns of worship and then had an enthusiastic time of intercession overlooking the city. The Bible says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation. So please continue to pray for the participants and those that we reach during the outreaches on this Great Commission course. The word of God is clear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're interested, you can obtain the textbooks for the Great Commission course, which is Putting Feet to Your Faith, the Great Commission Manual, the Security and Survival Handbook, and the Greatest Century of Missions books. These are all available from Christian Liberty Books admin at christianlibertybooks.co.za or website christianlibertybooks.co.za. We've also produced a primary textbook, The Great Commission Handbook. Now, I've been revising and expanding The Great Commission Manual for over 24 years uh, through eight different editions, and now it's been shaped into a handbook format. And so as soon as funds allow, we will have this Great Commission Handbook printed and published and widely available. If you want to see some of the audio visuals, hear some of the presentations, the lectures, either on sermon audio or uh, see our videos of our presentations on the Vimeo channel that we have, you can visit the www.frontlinemissionsa.org website, and we are uploading on the in the coming weeks already. Samuel Zwema and the Mission to the Muslims is up. CT Stud Cricket of Christ in China and the Congo. What would David Livingston say to us today? The greatness of the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations, the best missionary is the Bible, the challenge of missions, missionary strategy in the Book of Acts. These and many others are available. We did a spiritual warfare workshop and seminar. I don't know if those audios are up yet, but regularly, as our IT people are able to, they're uploading more audios and videos of the course. Now, considering there are 55 presentations, it'll take a while for them all to be uploaded. But if you want to benefit from some of the teaching at the Great Commission course, you can find the resources on our FrontlineMissionSA.org website, either on the Vimeo page or on the SlideShare PowerPoint page, or on a sermon audio page. These are resources that we're trying to make available. Now, we can't exactly replicate the PT or the hikes or the views or the interaction by uh, virtual means, but um, you can benefit from some of the lectures and audios and textbooks. So we 
praise God for uh, those who came and helped us immediately after the course. You know, the day after concluding this intensive three-week Great Commission course, we received and offloaded a 20-foot container of something like 17 tons of Bibles, New Testaments, Gospels, Sunday School materials, and other evangelistic and doctrinal literature. So 17 tons of Bibles and books, what we call Bible PT or Frontline Gym. And it arrived in the early morning amongst rain, which complicated the offloading because we do not allow uh, dampness to damage our books. And therefore, we had to rig up um, tarpaulins uh, to protect the books and literature from getting damp during the offloading process. So we have, have to be innovative to protect the precious cargo from damage. But we praise God for those who donated their time and treasure to make this shipment possible and for those who helped us offload and categorize and organize and designate these valuable scriptural resources. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And we pray that God will enable us to deliver and distribute these scriptures to those who most need them, who will most appreciate and most carefully study and apply these biblical principles to all areas of life. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. We read in Isaiah 55 verse 11. According to Operation World, more than 100 million churchgoers in Africa still do not have their own copy of the Bible or even the New Testament. So the needs are huge. The spiritual needs are desperate and urgent, and the opportunities are vast. Lift up your eyes, Jesus said. Look at the fields, for they're already ripe for harvest. We praise God for our good friend, creation scientist, engineer, and author, speaker, Dr. Philip Stott, who is our guest for speaking engagements at schools and seminars, Bible study groups and universities and churches. We organize church services, Bible study seminars, and an educational workshop for homeschoolers for Dr. Stott while he was in the Cape Peninsula. He is also a special guest speaker for the last few days on the Great Commission course. For since the creation of the world, his eternal attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans 1.20 Well, you can see some videos and listen to some audios of Dr. Stott's presentations, such as Revolt Against God and His Word and the Universe, Already, uh, we've uploaded a number of these on our frontlinemissionsa.org website, on our Facebook page, and uh, on the website you'll also see that there's links uh, to the Great Commission, uh, 20, Great Commission course 2020. We've got a whole range of new videos and audios that you can watch, including a Behind Enemy Lines and Sedan video interviews, which have been put together with some Times Behind the Lines, which are captured on film, uh, which have been edited together so that you can see a, a series of video interviews on the situation behind the lines in Sudan. You can also see some of the presentations given, such as on 1666 and the Sabbatean Roots of the New World Disorder, and that's available as a, a newsletter, uh, which can be downloaded from the Gospel Defense League uh, website. Uh, also the latest Christian Action magazine celebrating 30 years of Africa Christian Action. That's also available on our website. And you can see the latest Frontline Fellowship news. Uh, the 40 Years Thanksgiving newsletter is also available on our Frontline Mission SA.org website. So there's some great resources. Um, you can also see the Georgia Guidestones and Occult Roots of the New World Order, 
video, which was recorded with Loving Life TV, and that's available also uh, on our Vimeo channel, and you can go onto the Frontline Mission SA.org website, go to Audio and Visual, go to the Visual Video section on Vimeo, and you'll see this section there just for Loving Life TV. On the audio page, you'll also see interviews such as with Redeemer Broadcasting, the interview on Godly Self-Defense, and there are many other good resources that you can see, such as the Behind Enemy Lines for Christ video and, and others. So help us make our book, Frontline Behind Enemy Lines for Christ, better known and more widely available. Uh, have a look at the Priority Projects for Prayer and Action, uh, which is available on the uh, FrontlineMissionSA.org website. We can also praise God uh, for our Bibles for Africa project uh, because of the generosity of some designated support. We've recently been able to equip pastors and evangelists in South Africa with Bibles in the indigenous languages, particularly in Afrikaans and Kosa, as well as pastors and evangelists in Malawi with Bibles in Chichewa, young people in KwaZulu with Bibles in Zulu, and ministries in Zambia with Bibles in Tonga and Bemba, which is a project ongoing right now. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We are very grateful for your prayers, for your encouragement, for your support, without which none of our ministries would be possible. May God continue to be your joy and your strength, yours for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Good night and God bless.